Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Matthew 24, and as you do, say this with me today, I receive the Word of God to profit me, to reproof me, convict me, and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished on all good works. You just quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. You know, Brother Jerry brought progressing forward, and he used that scripture of, you know, doing things that are profitable or progressing. You know, and I, and I looked at this particular um, word that we have in that confession, the word of God to profit me or to help me progress to the next level that God has for my life. I don't know about you, but I want to progress. And I can't tell you how much God used Vicki earlier when she said there's some of you that feel like you're stuck, but she really believed that if you would just say, I give it all to you, God, that he's going to unstick you and get you that next level. How many of you want to go to the next level with God? How many of you want to see more of God in your life? I don't know about you, but I really want to see more of God in uh, our lives. And so one of the things that I want to do is I want to begin today is I've been teaching on the basics, going back to the basics. One part, one of the things about learning your walk with the Lord is learning how to take prophecies that have been spoken, prophetic words that have been spoken over you, and begin to declare those things until you see those things manifest. We know that in Mark eleven twenty two, 22, Jesus said, have faith in God, which he really said, have the faith of God. So how many of you are in his likeness? How many of you are made in his image and his likeness? Well, then you have his faith. And so you don't need to doubt. If you have enough faith, you do have the faith. But he said, have the faith of God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart. He shall have those things which he has been saying. And in the book of Romans chapter 10... I just want to, I don't, I, I don't have that memorized, so I just want to go to it real quick and show you something here about your confessions. Romans 10, Romans 10, 10, and it says this, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession, confession, that's not just confess once, hello somebody, confessions is made unto salvation. And so when you're saved, you should be saying how much you are saved. You know, I believe in Jesus. Every day, I, I, not because I have to, but because it's just a part of who I am, I believe in Jesus. And so I'm confessing the Word of God. I believe in my heart. Uh, I confess with my mouth. Well, I don't only just confess it, but I confess it by living it, by going to the Word and saying, I want the Word to change me. I want the Word to direct me. I want the Word to help me progress. I want the Word to help profit me. I'm looking to God's Word to get me to that next place that God has for me. Tell your neighbor, God has more for you. And so the Lord gave this Word through Brother Jerry on our 25th anniversary. He says, now I know. And this is why it's so important for us to get a hold of this now I know. Okay? It wasn't that God was saying to us, now I know. God was saying to us, for us to know that he knows. We needed to know that God really believes in us. 
We really, we needed to know that God really, you know, these dreams and these visions that we have for the ministry, these dreams and these visions that we have for you, you know, you don't, you, you don't get it when, when you're not a pastor, you don't get it, but I have dreams and visions for you. I see God taking you to a higher level. I see God doing great things through you, you know, and these dreams and these visions, you know, and, and, and they're just not just, you know, because I ate too much pizza last night. I had this dream about you, you know. These are things that God downloads in me, you know, and, and just like God and just like a good parent, you know, you, you want to see, uh, you know, your children rise up and be all that they have the potential to be. Well, you know, truthfully, you're our spiritual children, and we want to see you rise up and be all that God. We want you to experience, you know, we, we want you to go to, when you get to heaven, we want heaven to say, you almost bankrupt us. And what do I mean by that? We want, when you get to heaven, we don't want you getting to heaven and, and, and you, you go into your, your mansion, all these things you could have had here on earth, you know, because they're not going to do you any good in heaven. No, we want you, you know, the Bible says God wants you to experience heaven on earth. You know, and so this now I know was for us, but it shouldn't have been just for us. It should be for you too. Right. And that's what, that's what you, you really need to, to grab, grab a hold of. And so I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read uh, bits, and pieces of, bits and pieces of this particular word. In this now I know moment, God is simply saying to you, You've given me evidence of just how much you trust and deeply committed to doing everything I called you to do. This altar call this today was not by accident. You know, I, I you know, on a regular basis I try to do this, but you know, I just felt compelled myself to just say, God, I give you my all. You know, I want to get out of the way so I can see you do more in my life. You know, I have, you know, I have some very good ideas what God could do for me. How about you? But you know, if I understand the word of God correctly, my ideas are small compared to his. You know, and I can hinder God with my small ideas even though I think they're big, you know. And I have to make sure I'm giving my all to God so that God gets his way in my life. You know, we have a desire to build an academy or have an academy or However, God's going to manifest the academy. You know, we have this desire to do this, you know, and, and have this for the school and to increase. But, you know, I don't have $15 million, you know. And uh, if you have $15 million, I'll receive the tithe today of it. But anyway, I don't have $15 million, but God does, you know. And the only way I know to see God manifest what he wants to do in our school is to say, God, you know, help me be in the right place at the right time to facilitate your vision and your dreams. You know, if you think about it, just from a, a carnal point of view, what benefit is it for me and Vicky to have an academy in Columbia, Missouri, when we don't have any kids here? All our kids are voting. I'm rooting for Texas Rangers. I had to say that, didn't I? But anyway, that's where they're at. You know, they're in Texas or California. They're not here. Our grandchildren, they're in Texas. They're not here. You know, so what benefit is it for us? It's not for our benefit. It's for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Amen. You know, and when I see these young people and how Sharice leads them into the presence of God every morning, you know, into their confession and, and these teachers just sowing into them and saying, God first. You know, education's important, but God first. 
You know, just like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, you know, they put God first and God gave them the ability to learn, you know, the, the ability to get wisdom and the skill to learn and, 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 to, and to advance in knowledge, you know. And so these kids are putting God first and they're having experiences with the Lord and that's what it's all about. It's about expanding the kingdom of God. And that's why I really believe that this word is for us because our hearts is to see the kingdom of God expanded in a great way. And it goes on, it says, that you deeply, that much, you trust me and deeply committed to doing everything I called you to do, and you will do it with great passion. And I promise, now I don't, I don't hardly hear this word spoken much in prophecies. And I don't use the word promise very much. If I use the word promise, my wife hears me say the word promise, she, she really listens intently because she knows that there is nothing that's going to stop what I'm going to say after that. It's going to happen. I promise, it says you, that the things you've desired that you haven't spoken to me about are about to come to pass. Well, we've seen some of those things come to pass. You know, one of the, one of my, the desire of my heart was to have a men's conference. We had that. One of the desires of my heart when we had a, um, a, a minister's conference was to be able to pay for all their rooms. Well, this last year when we had our minister's conference, we paid for all their rooms. You know, and you say, well, that's, that's no, it's the start. Amen. And see, when you get excited about the start, you're going to see the finish. Hello, somebody. You got to be just as excited about the cloud that's about the size of a man's hand. And if you don't understand that, that's when Elijah was out praying. And the way this story goes, it says Elijah was a man like us. In other words, he had the same feelings. He had to battle the same emotions. He had to deal with the same thoughts. He had to deal with some of the same doubts. In fact, you know, one time he said, God, you just left me alone here. The only prophet here, I might as well just die. You know, and, and the Lord just kind of slapped him around a little bit, spiritually speaking, and said, you know, Elijah, you're not the only one. There's 7,000, you know, you know, straighten up. Come on. You know, he had to deal with his emotions. He had to deal with the fear of Jezebel saying, you know, I'm going to kill you. He had to deal with not being liked and rejection. He had to deal with a servant who rebelled against him. He had to deal with all these things. He was a man just like us, but yet he prayed earnestly, and he saw the the cloud of the size of a man's hand. And you know what? He did something about that. He didn't say, well, I've seen that before. It never rained. No, he got up and said, man, I hear the sound of abundance. You know, these things that we've seen this year, these desires that I've seen that I haven't spoken about many that have come to pass, that's, the, that's the, like that cloud of, a, of the size of a man's hand. It's just the beginning of some great things here at Family Worship Center. And so it goes on and says, you, you are going to experience a rapid and quicker manifestation of your faith as never before. This is your now I know moment. You've entered into a divine acceleration season. A divine, that means God's in it. You know, you say, well, I'm just a little too old. You know, can God accelerate it? Can God accelerate his will? Can God accelerate his plan? You know, I, I, I want to give this testimony, not to put a bad light on being an associate minister, but, you know, there were times where I felt like, you know, God had more for me to do. And I tell you what, we had a, a great job as an associate minister. Not very many associate ministers had, you know, a, uh, a radio broadcast that reached 
I forget how many millions, you know, every Friday night. Not very many, not very many associates had a, a ministry. Our singles ministry was running 200. Sometimes we'd run 1,000, 1,200 people, you know, when we have special events and stuff like that. You know, and we had, a, we had a good job there, you know, but yet God wants to do more. And so what I'm saying here was as an associate, I felt like sometimes I was hindered to do some other things. But boy, when I came here to Columbia, Missouri, I mean, there was just a season that we couldn't do anything wrong. I mean, things just happened one after another, one divine acceleration after another. And bam, God just put us on the map here. And, you know, we ought to give the Lord a shout. Let me tell you why before you shout. You know, there's other churches that have come into the city, good churches. I'm not saying they're bad churches. Good churches have come to the city. They've been here for five years, ten years, and they don't even have their own facility. And God gave us a facility, and then he gave us a second one five years later, and it's all paid and debt-free. Now you can give the Lord a shout. That's a divine acceleration. That's what God's doing, and, that, and God's doing even more. So we're going to enter into that quicker manifestation of faith and a divine acceleration season. God's seen your faith, and things are going to happen much faster. Divine acceleration rapidly, when God sees your faith, not just an act of faith, but a life of faith, things start happening, start taking place rapidly, immediately, and more and more suddenly. You prove to God that you won't back off, you won't back down. Get ready, get ready, get ready. This is where we're at right now. We've seen some of those things that were in my heart that I didn't share with many manifest. We're seeing some divine acceleration. So now we need to get ready, get ready, get ready. You hear me? We need to get ready, get ready, get ready. You hear me? We, get, we need to get ready, we get, get ready, get ready. So let me ask you something. Let's just say that you came to church like you did today. And you got here and there wasn't a seat available for you. What would you do next Sunday? Get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. You know, I don't want to have to stand in line to get in church. But you know what? We may see that day here. Come on now. I mean, your pastors have a passion and a desire for revival to change this city and change this county. And you know, God's telling us it's going to happen. So we need to get ready, get ready, get ready. You know, it's one thing to say, get ready. But he said, get ready, get ready, get ready. You need to get ready. Things are going to happen more and more quickly in your life. I encourage you to get ready. There it is again, a fourth time. For more and more immediately to experience more once and more twice and more three times suddenly. God is honoring your steadfastness. And many shall see the blessing of God on your life of the pe on your life and on the life of the people that are faithful to your calling. Who is that? You. This word is just as much for you as it is for us. And so I'm going to go on down to the prayer where he prayed over. He says, I said, this is a now I know moment and some major breakthroughs are headed their way. I also heard him say major shifting, divine shifting is about to take place. Divine influence in a greater way. Some people have not known about you and are aware of you, but some people of greater means are, be are going to become aware of you. You know, there's somebody out there that's watching us. Somebody of great means is watching us. Some finances are coming our way for this ministry from sources that you've never given or supported you before. Now I know is the reason these things will happen. Some divine reversals 
are about to take place. Some of divine reversals are about to take place. Things that were set in motion look like they would never change, but divine reversal is about to take place, and God's behind it. Amen. One of the divine reversals, I was praying this week, and the Lord, and I was like, Lord, you said some divine reversals. He said, well, there's a divine reversal is taking place. I said, really? I said, uh, am I missing something? He said, look at your staff. That's a divine reversal. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a staff that, ha that is more loyal, more committed, more passion to this ministry than we've ever had. Yeah. Best staff we've ever had. Amen. And that includes our school administrator. Amen. We have the best, most professional, top-notch school administrator that we've ever, ever had. Amen. That's a divine reversal. We didn't have that before. And that's not taking away the people who were here before. But God did a, such a major shifting and change. It's like a divine reversal right here in, in our very presence. Another divine reversal. Vicki had done a Bible study years ago. And a prophet came to her and said, Vicki, there are those who want to shut your mouth. And we're like, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, and so as a result of some things we walked through, she had to shut her Bible study down because some people wanted to shut her mouth. You know what? There's been a divine reversal. Vicki has a Bible study. Amen. She has a podcast. Vicki Luther has a podcast. Who would have thought? I mean, that is almost a miracle. She didn't know what a podcast was. I don't think she still does, but she has one. <laughs> no, I'm pointing out to you some things that we, we this, this, these are things that have happened this year since this word's been spoken. And we need to be rejoicing in the fact that God has done these things because if he's done these things, then that get ready, get ready, get ready Amen. is next. Amen. Tell your neighbor, and it's just for you. And he said it a second time, some divine reversals are about to take place. So I had you open your Bibles to Matthew 24. And this is one of the things that why I love the Lord. I love the moving of the Spirit of God because he knows what he's doing. How many of you know God knows what he's doing? Amen. You know, and when we came forward today, and, and even though if you didn't come forward, I know that in your heart many of you were saying, Lord, have your way in my life today. You know, and we really need to let God have his way in our lives. But here in Matthew 24, Jesus has given us a really good insight of what's happening today. What is happening today? You know, sometimes people ask, do you think what's going on in Israel is a sign of his coming? Well, let me just say this. We're one day closer. Will it happen? I don't know. I'm not supposed to know. And you know what? I really don't care. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I know that I've chosen to live every day as if he's coming today. And if I hear that trumpet sound, I know that I'm going to experience an anti-gravity law. I'm going to be lifted up. Yep, God's going to supernaturally take me into the air. He's going to catch me away. And I'm looking forward to that day. 
And so I don't have to worry about when he's coming because I'm living every day as if he's coming. I know there's some people out there, they're, they're trying to figure it out. No, I'm going to live my way until right before he, I think he comes, and then I'm going to get right with God. And then you're going to really hold your breath and pray he's merciful. That's what you're really going to do, you know. But if you are living according to Romans 10 and confession, your daily confession is to live for the Lord, you have nothing to worry about. He's not talking about being perfect. He's talking about your heart being given to the Lord. And so Jesus went out and departed from the temple here in uh, Matthew chapter 24. And his, his disciples came to him uh, to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said, do you not see all these things? Surely I say to you that not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And we know that's happened because we've been there. We've seen, we've seen some of the ruins of, of the old Jerusalem and the old areas where uh, Israel used to be. So now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed. Guard your heart. Make sure that no one deceives you. Now, we look at that many times in the church, and we apply that into the church setting. But I don't believe that just implies the church setting. I believe that implies in every area of your life. You've got to make sure that no one deceives you. That's why, you know, you can believe everything that's on social media. No, you got... You got... You got to take heed that no one deceives you, that not one person deceives you, okay? Not, not just in the, in the area of the Word of God. Most of you here, you know, and probably all of you here today would qualify that, well, no one's going to deceive me with my walk with God. That's good. But, the, you know, people can try to deceive you in other areas. And you need to guard your heart that no one deceives you. Many will come and say, I'm the Christ, and will deceive many. And that word Christ doesn't necessarily mean the Messiah. He didn't say, I'm the Messiah. Not very many people are walking out there saying, I'm the Messiah. But what they do is they'll say, the anointing. And that's what that means, the anointed one. Oh, you, you need to come to our church. It's more anointed than your. You need to have, you need to go to this meeting. It's anointed. You need to go here. It's anointed. Well, you know, I'm not discrediting that some of these meetings are good and they're not anointed. But you can't be following after the anointing. You need to follow after the anointed one. Amen. You know, and, and I'm going to share just a couple tidbits about being a pastor, you know. But when new people come in, most of the time, visitors are coming in here to interview me. Interview this church. They come in, well, I, want to decide, I, I need to decide if this is my church or not. I'm not looking for people to come in here and interview me and decide if this is your church. I'm looking for people who the Spirit of the Lord said, this is where I belong. Amen. Tell your neighbor that's you. We're looking for that. We're looking for God leading people here because God called them here. Yep. Not because, you know, you like, you know, the good preaching or the prophecy or the music or whatever and everything, you know, fits your bill of what you think a church ought to be. No, when you are called here as a pastor, I don't ever have to worry about 
you leave me. Well, what about the people who left? Well, I guess they're not called here. But I'm going to give you my very best because you're here today. And that's what Vicky and I have committed to, to give you our very best. We're going to give our very best, whether there's one or 1,000. We're going to give you our very best because we believe you're called here. And this is who God's going to start bringing in. Get ready, get ready, get ready. He's going to start bringing people who, who know by the Spirit of God they're called to be here. And they're not going to let anything tear them away from what God's called them to be. How many of you would uh, allow someone to, to uh, separate you uh, from your salvation merge? Well, you have to have that same conviction in the area of finding your church. This is my church. It's not Tom and Vicky's church. It's really the Lord's church. But this is your church. And you can't let anybody deceive you or call you away. And so many will be deceived. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you're not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So we know there's wars. We know there's something hideous going on in Israel right now. And we know that God's hands on Israel, and Israel's going to win no matter what. And we thank God for that. But that's a sign to the world that God's word is true. This is why this goes on over in Israel more than any other place, because God's prophesied over that nation. It's a sign. But let me just share something with you. If God will validate his word over Israel, his chosen people, aren't you as a Christian grafted in? So what does that mean for you? That means he'll validate his word over you. I don't know about you, but that excites me. In other words, God's going to perform his word in my life because I'm grafted in. In other words, I'm considered a chosen a person. You know, well, is that in the New Testament? How about chosen a generation? Royal priesthood. Isn't that the same thing? Absolutely, it's the same thing. Are we doing okay this morning? Amen. All right, so you'll hear wars, rumors, wars, but the end's not come. For nations shall rise against nation. That's what we're seeing. And kingdoms against kingdoms. Nations arise against nations will mean races arise against races. You know, and again, just let me give you just a little explanation. You know, 2% of the people in the world are Jewish. And why has there been a 388% rise in anti-Semitism against them? Because they're not mad at them. They're mad at the God they belong to. They want to get God out of the equation. They want to do their own thing. But I'm here to tell you that you... You are the salt of this world. Because of your faith in God, this is why the world's doing as well as it is doing. Because you're standing. You know, you're preserving this world. That's what it means to be salt. You're preserving. You're the light. You're the answer. You know, don't just let your light shine in this church. Don't put it under a bushel. It's not for every Sunday. It's for every day. Let your light shine. And kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. The beginning of sorrows. They'll deliver you up to tribulation. They'll kill you. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. What'd they do on October 7th? They killed them. Barbarically killed them. Because they don't want God in the equation. That's why they did that. And you know if they can successfully eradicate the Jews, guess who's next? You as a Christian are. So they'll deliver you up to tribulation, kill you. They'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. 
and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Now, you know, again, in the church world, we think, well, that wouldn't happen. We, we know the difference between a true prophet and a false prophet. But see, a lot of people don't equate to the negative propaganda that's on social media as being a false prophet. Come on, somebody. It's all over. It's all over. Some of the news media don't accurately report what's really going on. What is that? That's false prophecy. That's misleading. That's going on already, you know. And so we kind of we think, you know, as a prophet, as, you know, somebody who, who stands in a pulpit and, and, and will deceive many, but that's not true. That can be true, but the other side of the coin is that it can be the news media being used to deceive many. And because of lawless will abound. Have we seen the summer of love called lawlessness? Who had ever thought, you know, destroying buildings, you know, was an act of love? Killing people. You know, taking over a government for however many months they took over that government in the, in the city of Oregon. One of the cities in Oregon. Who would ever thought? Who would ever thought? Who would ever thought that people would get kill on the, killed on the street because of lawlessness? Who would ever thought we'd live in a nation like this? I was talking to one of my Jewish friends, and she said, who would have ever thought that we'd have somebody in Congress that would say, kill the Jews? Who would ever thought? Who would ever thought that we would have uh, professors on our state campuses that would teach hate against Jewish people? Who would ever thought? But that's where we're at today. You know, this scripture, these scriptures are being fulfilled in our ears today. And it says, because of lawless and the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And the end will come. So we're going to walk down this lane here of right here. Many will be delivered up and many will be offended. We're going to have to take a stand that we're not going to allow offense to come into our lives. Now, here's something that the Lord spoke to me a couple weeks ago. But I was at a church, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to teach on overcoming the spirit of offense. So I did. And afterwards, I had the church stand up and declare as a congregation, we refuse to allow offense to come into this church. What I did not know was the week before that a, one of the leading people of the church had just got offended. And not only did they got offended, but the associate ministers tell me, when I sat down, he goes, he said, Pastor Tom, you have no idea what you just said. Well, I was led by the Spirit. I had an idea that something was going on. He said, this leading person demanded that they have a meeting with the board of the church, came in offended, and the pastor gave out every uh, uh, email, every text, had it all printed out, and said, what did I do wrong? And they got up and left mad because they could never prove that uh, the accusation against the pastor was true. But they called up a bunch of people. And so God used me that day to bring those who were still there together and make a covenant with that church to say, we will never allow offense to come into this house again. And I thought that was so cool. And I'm rejoicing. And the Lord said, but you haven't done that at your church. 
See, many will be offended and betray. Now, let me, let me just share a couple things that the Lord showed me about this, okay? Betraying, it means this. It means to turn over for destruction. When people get offended, they want to turn over for destruction the thing they're offended with. They want to destroy. In order for people to validate their offense, they are going to try to get you to agree with them. And what you've done, am I doing okay this morning? When you agree with them, you're supporting their offense. And, in, and to a degree, you're giving them the ammunition to destroy that which they're offended with. This is why offense is more, a lot more dangerous than I ever thought. Now, the word offense comes from a Greek word called scandalous, which comes, we get our word scandal from. It's a scandal. Anybody ever get caught in a scandal? How many of you profited from a scandal? How many of you know somebody who profited from a scandal? No, nobody profited from a scandal? You know, who usually ends up profiting from the scandal? The scandaler, right? The one who started it. Or, you know, the person who's, you know, doing the wrong thing, misleading people. And so a scandal is designed to take away, not to add to. Well, that's what an offense is designed to do. And that word scandal, actually, it really means, it really means the bait that's on a trap. The bait that's on a trap. And the way this thing really, really works is the best illustration I've ever heard, and I've used it, and I'm going to use it again, and many of you heard me use it, use it before. But in South America, both Terry Mize and, and Cole Stringer both share this particular story. But uh, one of the things that the tribe in South America likes is monkey. And we all go, ooh, that's so gross. Well, we like squirrels. Some of us like squirrels. Some of us squirrel hunt. Huh? I mean, you know, the doctor was trying to see, you know, if I was mentally sane. They said, how many seasons are there? I said, there's four. And they said, what are they? I said, squirrel, rabbit, deer, and turkey. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a, a, a part of a, some people's diet. You know, they like it. And we go, monkey. You know, well, you know, I mean, that's the way they grew up. But this particular monkey was very, very difficult to get. Very, very, had very good hearing, very, very good smelling, very, very good eyesight, and, you know, could, could release a screen that let all of the monkeys know that there was danger. So what they would do is they take, you know, one of these big five-gallon water bottles, and they'd put that monkey, the fruit that that monkey was eating, they put that fruit in that, that five-gallon water bottle, and they'd tie that water bottle to a tree, and they'd leave. And they'd come back. You know, and sure enough, that monkey wanted the fruit that's in that water bottle. Even though there's fruit all around, he wanted the fruit in that water bottle. And when he'd stick his hand in that water bottle to get that fruit or that bait, he'd make a fist, but he couldn't pull his hand out. And therefore, he was harvested for, din he was harvested for dinner that night. You know, and all the monkey had to do, there's two things the monkey had to do. Number one, be satisfied with what he already had. Hello, somebody. Why do people get offended? Because they're not satisfied with what they have. Come on, somebody. They always want something else. And number two, all you had to do was let go. And this is what happens. So many times people just won't let go. 
What is it that God told Pharaoh to do? Let go of my people. What cost Pharaoh his family? He wouldn't let go of what God told him to let go. God said, Israel's my firstborn. If you won't let go of my firstborn, I'm going to kill your firstborn. What happened? The firstborn of Egypt got killed. And God still got his way. Don't mess with God. Now, God's the last person you want to get mad at. Hello, somebody. So that's what that word offense means. And it's, it's designed to bait you into a trap. So many times, you know, in, 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 in church, most of us, and this is where deception enters in, most of us know that it's wrong to be offended. And it's so hard to get somebody to admit they're offended when they're offended. No, I'm not offended. I know, I mean, that's, a, I mean, that's like the cardinal sin. I am not offended. I'm not offended. I'm not offended. Are you ticked off? Yeah, I'm ticked off, but I'm not offended. <laughs> Are you hurt? Yeah, I'm hurt, but I'm not offended. Are you trying to tell other people what they did to you was wrong? Yeah, I'm doing that, but I'm not offended. Yeah, you are. And see, see, deception enters in. Be sure that no man deceives you. Isn't that what it says? Deception enters in and even deceives the person to the point that they don't even know they're offended. Hello, somebody. This is how subtle the enemy uses this, not only in the body of Christ, but everywhere. You know, I know a person who got offended with the president, you know, and, 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 and we very gently said, you know, we, we, we're not here to get in a political army, okay? It's a, a different political persuasion that you have, but you can't be offended with the president. You can't take offense, but boy, I hate the president, is what that person said. And eventually, they left the church because they let an offense work in them from a different source. You can't allow, you can't afford to let offense get in anywhere. I'm mad at my boss. Get over it, please. Because it will affect your family. It will affect your church life. It will affect everything. Because it works so deceptively in your life. Am I doing okay this morning? All right. And so this is what Jesus said. He said, many will come in my name and mislead wars, rumors of wars, and they will betray. In other words, turn over for destruction. And this is what usually a person who has taken offense does. They try to destroy maybe your relationship with somebody they're hurt with. How sad is that? How sad is that? Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody and all of a sudden they just didn't like you for some reason? And then you got to talking and you found out the reason they didn't like you is because somebody told them something about you that wasn't true? I was in a relationship one time and this guy came up to me and we were just talking. And finally he just, out of the blue, tears going down his eyes, running down his face on me, grabs me, hugs me, says, brother, I'm so sorry. I go, what? He said, I was so offended with you because what somebody else said. And he said, it's just not true. Thank God God healed that relationship. Amen. You know, we see them from time to time. This happened in Fort Worth. We see them from time to time. Anytime they see us, guess what? They're, oh, it's so good to see you hug us and stuff like that. It's a joy. But see, now somebody else who was offended wanted to cut off a divine appointment that we had with this other person. 
And that's what an offended person wants to do. They want to cut off your divine appointment with other people, or maybe that's the person you're offended, they're offended with. That's why it's so important that we guard our hearts, not to let somebody who is offended cause us to take their offense. That's the other thing we got to guard our hearts. If they're offended, the best thing you can do is just tell them, go work it out with the person you're offended with. I'll try to mediate if you want me to, but go work it out. Because offense eventually will just totally stop. Maybe not completely stop, but it certainly will hinder the will of God for their lives. And if you take it, it's going to hinder the will of God for your life. I'm really trying to help somebody today. So go with me to Luke chapter 7, verse 23. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible, this one scripture. Because they'll give us a, a greater understanding of what offense is. Verse 23. Luke 7, 23. And blessed and happy with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, apart from outward conditions, and to be envied. So that's the definition of Blessed. How many of you want to be blessed of the Lord? How many of you know if you're really blessed of the Lord, you're going to be envied? How many of you know that envied people probably won't say nice things about you? You know, like I share often with, with other people, you know, people will criticize you for two reasons. They'll criticize you for being a failure, and they'll criticize you for being a success. You know, they'll criticize you if you're not blessed, and they'll criticize you for being blessed. So, you know, I'm just going to be blessed. Yeah. Not worry about it. All right? So you got, you, got to, you got to have, you know, some intestinal fortitude if you're going to be blessed because you got to know that people are going to be offended if you're blessed, especially if they're not. That's their problem, right? Blessed is he who takes no offense. Notice that word takes. Takes no offense in me. And this is the definition of offense. Who's not hurt, resentful, annoyed, repelled, or made to stumble, whatever may occur. All right, that's what the definition of offense is. Now, the adverb of offense is this. That's the definition, but this is the adverb of offense. In Matthew 15, 12, when the, when the Pharisees were so upset with Jesus because Jesus gave the parable, it's not what goes in a man's mouth that uh, hurts him, but it's what comes out of a man's mouth. In other words, you know, your confession, you're responsible for your words. We're judged by every idle word. That's what Jesus was saying there. And the disciples came and said, don't you know that the Pharisees were offended with you? That word offend, this gives us the adverb of what offense. To see in another what I disapprove of and what hinders me from acknowledging their authority. In other words, the advert of that, the description of that, the manifestation of that is an offended person will not respect authority. Mm. how sad is that? That's the adverb of that. And so Jesus said, blesses a man who's not hurt. So here in Luke 17, starting with verse 1, and again, I'm going to be sharing out of the Amplified Bible. And Jesus said to him, to them, his disciples, temptations, snares, traps to entice sin. Isn't that something? This is a definition of offense. An offense is, is, is a trap to entice you to sin. 
are sure to come, but woe by through whom they come. In other words, the King James says, offenses will come, but woe through whom they come. So what's the difference between this and Luke 7.23? Well, Luke 7.23 is, blessed is a man who takes no offense. This offenses will come. Now, one of the definitions of the word offense is a foul odor, real foul odor. Have you ever gone in a room and there was a real foul odor and everybody ran out of the room? Hmm? Well, can you imagine somebody who goes, boy, I love this smell of, you know, rotten eggs and sulfur. It just does something for me. You'd say, you are weird. But that's what an offended person's doing. I like being in this atmosphere of the it feels so good. And everybody else is running away because it's offensive. The odor's offensive. Don't you run away from an offensive odor? You know? You ever, ever be driving down the highway and you, you get close to where a skunk was killed? You roll down the windows? I need some fresh, I need some fresh air. Smells like a skunk in here. You know, you're trying to get away. You're trying to air it all out. But an offended person is like, I love it. It's like going into a florist shop for me. I love the stink. The more the stink, the happier I am. It would be more profitable for him, the one who caused the offense, if a milestone were hung around his neck and he hurled into the sea than one that he should cause that he should cause to sin or be a snare to one of these little ones, lowly in rank or influence. There's a major price if you are offended and you have gone to somebody else to take your offense. It's a dangerous place to be. Pay attention. Always be on guard. What it says right there. Looking out for one another. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to look around, out for one another. You know, if I was in a room where I had a foul odor, my wife would say, Tom, get out of there. There's a foul. Don't go in there. There's a foul odor. Don't go in there. Don't go there. There's an offense working on. Don't, don't, don't get into that conversation. There's an offense there. Hello, somebody. Am I doing okay this morning? Amen. All right. So if your brother sins and misses the mark, tell him. So if, and, and reprove him, and if he repents, feel sorry for him for, for having a sin and forgive him. Isn't that some for having a sin? And we're talking about offense because there's a very good chance if you've taken offense, you probably have sinned or you're living in sin and not even knowing it. Thank you for that thunderous amen, that great approval, but it's truth. And even if he sins against you, even if it's against you, Seven times in a day, he turns to you and says, man, I'm sorry, I repent. You must forgive him. I give up the resentment and, and, and consider the offense and recall it and annul it. See, you annul the offense by walking in forgiveness. You annul the offense by walking in forgiveness. You annul the offense by walking in forgiveness. What did Jesus say to, to the disciples? He said, whosoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. You annul it. How do you annul it? You annul it from working in your life. That's the most important thing. They have a choice, but you annul it. You stop it from working in your life 
when you walk in forgiveness. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. That the trust and confidence that spring from our belief in God. You know, I mean, you know, if I was around Jesus, you know, I'd say, now, now show me how to spit in the dirt and make mud and heal blind eyes. You know, show, show me how to see the main walk. Show me how to see the deaf hear. You know, but no, he's talking about offenses. Because Jesus knew that the soul matters more than anything else in the life of a person. He knows that. See, as a man thinking in his heart, so will he be. You'll, you'll act on what you predominantly think. And so this is why Jesus is saying this. And the Lord answered and said, if you have faith, trust and confidence, even so like the grain of a mustard seed, you can say this. A mulberry tree is absolutely a misleading translation. It really should say sycamine tree. Or some translations say sycamore tree. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Be pulled up by the roots and be planted seed. It would obey you. So why sycamine tree? Because sycamine tree was the popular tree that mortuary used to build coffins with. So it was wood that they built coffins with. You know what that tells me? That tells me that if you don't deal with the offense, the offense could eventually kill you. It certainly can kill the visions and the plans and the purposes of God's plan for your life. No doubt about that. Again, why a sycamine tree? It says, if you speak to it, it'll be pulled up by the roots. What happens to offense if you don't deal with it? It becomes a root of bitterness. It becomes a root of bitterness. And you got to speak to it. Hey, I'm, I'm not having that. Well, the sycamine or sycamore tree, that did produce fruit. You could eat it, but it was very bitter. And when it was the last thing available to eat in order to survive, you could eat it. But in order to eat it, you had to chew on it and chew on it and chew on it and chew on it. Had a bitter taste, chew on it some more, chew on it more before you could even swallow it. This is what happens when you don't deal with the offense. You chew on it and chew on it and chew on it and chew when you're chewing, what part of your anatomy are you using? Your mouth. Oh. We're judged by every idle word. Something to do with the mouth again. We talk about it. We meditate on it. We talk to God about it. No, we, we, that's not what to do. We're, we're, we're to command this thing to, to leave, to depart from us. Get away from me. I don't want... I, I don't want to smell your foul odor. I don't want to listen to this stuff. Get away from me. So you have to command it. And why a sycamine tree or a sycamore tree? Because they had deep roots and they dwelt really well in the desert because the roots went so deep. And then the last thing is in order for a sycamine fruit to produce, a wasp had to come and sting the bud. What happens when someone takes the sting of offense? It starts producing the wrong kind of fruit. And I got stung in that situation. Man, that really hurt. And then cast into the sea. Why into the sea? Because biological plants that grow on the earth cannot survive in the salt water of the ocean. Every time you throw them in there, not only will they die, but the chemical... Uh, composite of the water in the ocean will cause it to dissolve. And this is what Jesus is saying. That's why he used sycamine tree there. 
And then it goes on and tells us how to deal with this offense. Well, any man of you has a servant plowing and tending sheep, say to him, when he's come in from the field, come at once and take your place at the table. This is where some of the, go back to the basics of Christianity needs to come in. What are we called to be? Servants. We're not doing this for our own profit, but by doing this, we'll progress. By doing this, we will become profitable, but we're not doing it for us. We should be doing it for him. What did Jesus say in Mark 10, 45? I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and become a ransom for many people, for many of you, to lay my life down for you. That's what he meant. So he's talking to us. How many of you? How many of you are a servant? I'm a servant. I'm a servant of the Lord. Plowing and tending sheep. That's what I do. I'm a pastor. I'm tending sheep. Say to him when he's coming from the field, come at once, take your place at the table. No. Will he not instead tell him, get my supper ready, gird yourself, serve me a while until I eat and drink, then afterwards you yourself shall eat and drink? Is he grateful and does he praise that servant because he did what he was ordered to do or he was doing what he was designed to do? Or he was just doing what he was called to do? Does he get praise for that? You know, how many of you are, how many of you ladies, how many ladies do we have here? How many of you get praised for being a woman? Did you get praised for being a woman today? I didn't even praise my wife for being a woman today. But you're a woman and you do woman things. Does anybody praise you for it? No, because that's what you're designed to do. Be pretty. Smell good, you know, cook a good breakfast. Nope, left that one. Got off on that one. You know, but you know, you're just, what, what you're designed to do. You know, how many times when, you know, once you get established at work, you go do your job, your boss comes and, well, you're just a great worker. Once in a while, but not every day. Well, you're just doing what you've been hired to do. This is what we should be doing in our life on a regular basis. We should be living this life, you know, because this is what we're designed to do. Not looking for praise. Even so, on your part, when you've done everything that was assigned or commanded to you, say we are unworthy servants, possessing no merit, for we have not gone beyond our obligation. We've just merely done what is our duty or what we're called to do. In fact, the King James says it like this, say we are unprofitable servants. And I had a hard time with that. What it really means, you're not doing it for your gain. And when people start doing things for their gain and they don't gain what they think they should gain because they're doing it for their own gain, sometimes it opens up a door for them to be offended. Thank you for that one. That's good. I appreciate that. That's almost as good as an amen. So what do we do here? Well, number one, we need to recognize an offense. And when we recognize an offense... We need to speak to it right away. Well, I've spoken to that fence, Pastor. Speak to it again. What did Jesus say? Seven times. Seven times. In fact, one place he says seven times 70. Just, just keep doing it until it's not alive anymore. Not alive in you. Doesn't have any root in you. Don't talk about the fence. Number two, don't talk about the offense. The more you talk about the fence, the more you give the offense life. Wow. Who's preaching this message this morning? This is really good. I'm going to have to get the tape. And, well, we don't do tapes anymore. I'm going to have to re-listen. This is good stuff. Refuse to pass the offense on to others. 
I might be offended, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I don't need you to validate my offense. You know, if there's really an offense there, I need to let God take care of it. Be on guard and look out for one another. You don't want to go, <laughs> be careful. I mean, if you go in that room, it stinks. If you go in that conversation, that stinks. If you go in that relationship, there's an offense there. Boy, pastor, isn't that kind of like control? Well, I tell you what, I'd rather somebody control me than, and, and keep me out of trouble than not tell me at all. And when I get blindsided and people knew I was going into something, then I think, well, did you really love me in the first place? Come on, think about it. I'd rather err on the side of trying to help somebody than not help them at all. Don't take someone else's offense. That's the big one right there. All right? If they are offended, it says reprove. Then Jesus talked about that. Reprove them. Reprove them. Just say, you know, you really need to do something about that. It's not going to help you. It's going to cost you if you don't deal with that offense. Go deal with it. Go to that person. Whatever, you, whatever I can do to help you, I will. But, you know, to, to resolve it. But, but uh, don't, don't stay there. Please don't stay there. Offense opens the door for deception and betrayal. In other words, the destruction of whatever they're offended with. They, want to dis- they, they, they don't want you to participate because they're not participating. Because if you participate, then the vision may can continue to grow. But if they can stop you from participating and stop the vision from growing, then that validates that the reason why they're offended. Oh, that's powerful, isn't it? But that's how this thing works, especially in, in, in church. And when someone else gets a blessing, rejoice with them. I don't know why they got a blessing. I mean, dear God, you know, I know they don't do everything right. God blesses them. You know, no, rejoice with them. Vicki and I had a couple. They, they, they had some marital problems, and, and we had an extra bedroom, and she stayed there, and then they got together, and restoration took place, and he stayed there, and they both stayed in our home for a while. And she and I were believing for a car. We really needed a car, you know. And one of the singles came up to us and said, God told me to give away our car. I'm, I'm thinking, here it comes, praise the Lord, to the people who are staying at your house, you know. And I smiled, and I rejoiced, but on the inside, I said, you know, right address, wrong person, you know. And then uh, later on, they came, they said, guess what? I said, what? God gave us a car, two cars, two cars. They got, we're, we're, we're struggling. They got two cars. They're not living right, in my opinion. You know, when someone lives in your house, you have an idea if they're living right or not. Come on. So I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, <laughs> we need a car. What's going on? He said, they needed to know my love. I rejoiced. I tell you, I rejoiced. And God's been so good to us since then. But I tell you what, I rejoiced. I'm thankful. Man, if God blesses you, I'm thankful for it. You know, if you get a new car, you know, at least let me have a ride in it. No, seriously, you get a new car, we're happy. Whatever God does for you, we, we, we rejoice in that. Because, you know, the more we rejoice, the more it puts us up to be the next person to get the same type of blessing. Right. Amen? So one of the things I want to do here today is this. Is I want us to do as a church, do what I do with that other church. I would like for you as a congregation to stand to your feet. And I want you to covenant 
with us and this church to the best of your ability to keep this church from ever having an offense come in again. Can we do that? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? You're not getting it. Are you ready to see this prophecy fulfilled? That's what you need to get ready for. Because when we decide we're going to put a guard around this house, then we're setting ourselves up to see what God has said is going to come to pass. Are you ready? I mean, are you really ready? Are you really to come ready to come to church early so you can have a seat? I'm telling you, this, that's what's going to happen. We're going to see some great suddenlies happen because God spoke to me and said, this is the one thing you need to do to prepare the people for this word to come to pass. Amen. Vicki, come on up here if you would, please. So say this with us. I covenant with the pastors of this church and the members of this church to the best of my ability to protect this church from all offenses. I will not participate in someone else's offense. I will not repeat someone else's offense spoken over Family Worship Center or the people of this church. All right, this is what we're going to do. Vicki and I covenant with you to the best of our ability to never cause an offense. We will do everything in our strength and by the grace of God to honor God, the word of God, and to live according to the scriptures. We declare that Family Worship Center is an offense-free church, and we desire to keep it that way. How many of you say, I agree? Hallelujah. Give the Lord your best shout. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.